following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are raw on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2006's Ultraviolet, directed by Kurt Wimmer, starring Mila Jovovich, Cameron Bright, Nick Chinlund, and William Fickner. Ultraviolet is a 2006 science fiction action film. This movie currently holds a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Said in the late 21st century, a subculture of humans have emerged who have been modified genetically by a vampire-like disease, giving them enhanced speed, incredible stamina, and acute intelligence. As they are set apart from normal and healthy humans, the world is pushed to the brink of worldwide civil war aimed at the destruction of the diseased population. In the middle of the crossfire is an infected beautiful woman, Ultraviolet, who finds herself protecting a nine-year-old boy who has been marked for death by the human government as he is believed to be a threat to humans. Okay, Ultraviolet, what is your history with this? I've seen this movie and I've erased it from my memory and we saw it again just now and I've erased it from my memory. I knew that a movie called Ultraviolet existed and that was it. I saw this in the theater and I was actually excited to see this because it was the follow-up by the guy who directed Equilibrium, which is a movie that I really like. That's a great movie. No, that is a phenomenal movie. So I was really pumped to see this and I remember that people were were really jazzed about this movie having Gunkata 2.0 and all sorts of crazy stuff was going around. Little did I know what I was getting myself into. Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. This movie's pretty amazing. It's got the triumphant return of three. Yes, that bad alumni. So first up, the triumphant return of Mila Jovovich. I thought that she was not very good. She did a poor job <laughs> acting. She was casted in this role to be eye candy. For her dashing beefcake looks. Yeah, but look, I'm a big Mila Jovovich fan. No, you're not. Yes, I am, because she's friends with Maynard James Keenan. Oh, that is true, actually. It is very true. In fact, she's a de facto member of Lucifer. Because she's friends with Maynard, Eh, she gets a buy from me. So, and she gets a four out of five beefcakes. She gets no buy from me. She's terrible. But how many beefcakes? I guess three. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Three out of five I can't stand Milovich. She's a terror. She's, she's not an actress. I've never seen her act. Did you always feel that way, or did you come to this because of the podcast? The only experience I had with her pre-podcast was The Fifth Element, which I didn't like, and I didn't like her in that movie. But what about her one phenomenal line delivery in that movie, where she says multiple? Pass. You can't deny that. That was a good line delivery. What about Resident Evil? You love that one, right? <laughs> no, this, this, she's movie poison. She's the female. If she's in it, I'm not going to like it. She's the female John Cusack. Box office poison. No, no, he's box office poison. He's not movie yeah, poison. Yeah, yeah, Oh, there's a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah big he, difference. He's saying, he's His movies won't make any money, but, but at least they might, be, they might be decent. They, they might be all right and entertaining. He's saying that she makes the movies bad. But they still make money. I think yeah. she finds bad movies and bad movies find her. <laughs> wow. Both ways, huh? Yeah. Atrocious. Pitiful. Uh, do little, Terrible. Do a little alliteration, if you can. I don't think I got that in me. His poor performance personified. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Is her pitiful pittance... <laughs> Of, pauper performance. Of pauper performing open a Pandora's box. Oh of my gosh. A plethora <laughs> of 
Kane on the panoramic <laughs> perspective of the screen as you're watching the movie? I'm going to go with a yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up. I'm so happy to say these words. I've never been more happy to see someone in my life than I was tonight when I witnessed the triumphant return of Yes That Bad alumni, valedictorian... <laughs> Cameron Bright. Oh, no. <laughs> can we really say he acted in this movie? No. <laughs> How many? Whoa, you can geez, say that okay. in as much as you can say a cardboard cutout of a person <laughs> carried through a movie acted. <laughs> Should Mila Jovovich have just put a cardboard cutout of Cameron Bright under her arm and just carried it through the movie? She did. You know, this is around the time period where I first really came to notice Cameron Bright's... Fair witness. I, I did. I, I was, while I was watching this movie the first, I was like, I'm witnessing a glorious historical event. <laughs> I need to remember it so I can tell my children. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Bright, this was it. This is the movie where Your I, children won't be able to watch this because they'll probably make this illegal. <laughs> This is him at the height of his powers. We can all agree to this. Absolutely. Right? I've never seen anyone not act as much as Cameron Bright is in this movie. It's astonishing. It really is. you never seen anything like it, right? No. The cold, deadpan stares. They look right through you. It cuts to your soul. His expression didn't change, no matter what the circumstances, for the first three quarters of this movie. The robot in Lost in Space was way more animated than Cameron Bright in this movie. Oh, yeah. And that's a prop, right? So this is our third movie with this guy, right? I believe so. Right. Yeah, yeah. Man, we are riding high. So let's let's uh, do the list here. Let's do a quick rundown. So Twilight, New Moon, yep. Butterfly Effect, Ultraviolet. Of the three, Butterfly Effect is the best. I think that's the latest in his career of the movies we've seen. No, Twilight. But yeah, but he didn't he didn't actually do anything in that movie. Did he do anything in this movie? He was on the screen in this movie. He wasn't really on the screen in Twilight. He was just there when they saw the Merovingians, right? Merovingians? Yeah. <laughs> the Matrix. How are they called? The Voltori. Yeah, the Voltori. When you went to go see the movie. You're, you're proud of this? You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> when they went to go see the Voltor. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, next up, Nick Chinland. He played the Archduke... <laughs> Vice Cardinal. He's not Archduke Ferdinand. He's not the Archbishop. Well, his name is Ferdinand Dow. D-A-X-U-E. That's why I keep thinking Ferdinand. Archduke. He's <laughs> Vice Ferdinand Cardinal. That's his title. Kevin, you really like this guy's performance. This guy is such a creep, man. I've seen him in other things. I, I can't put my finger on what it was that I've seen him in, but... Why? Why does he have two tea strainers in his nose in this movie? I have no idea. That's yeah, they put these ridiculous nose plugs in his nose to this whole movie. It looks like it'd be painful to wear those, right? I would imagine you would get used to it. I understand why they did it. Thematically, it makes sense, but it just undercuts this guy's performance completely because it looks absolutely ridiculous. His acting was bitter, annoying. That's how his character, I guess, was... His, his character is supposed to be reprehensible, I think, but he didn't come off as a threat. To nah, he was annoying. Mila, Mila, yeah, he was just annoying, and I don't think that that's what you want in an action movie where he's supposed to be like the main villain. Okay, next up, William Fickner. Back to back. Perfect storm. Now this. Why is he in this movie? It's because he was in Equilibrium. It's a gift. Yeah. A gift to have this guy in this movie. Okay, yeah. so he's friends. It's a gorgeous gift. <laughs> he's he's friends with the director, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I guess so. He must be. His acting strength does not belong in this movie. I really enjoyed his acting. Didn't go unnoticed. How could it not go unnoticed? There was no <laughs> acting at... There was... I think it's safe to say that nobody acted in this movie except... He was the only one with talent. Only talented person in this movie. Everyone else was a two. 
two or lower. And he was at a four out of five. Yeah. Right? And that stands out dramatically in this movie. Almost to the point where it's like uncomfortable, where like he just does not belong. To be, he doesn't belong in this movie. And when I say he's the best in this movie, I'm extending that to everybody. The people oh, yeah. that work behind the scenes, special yes. effects people, Absolutely. the director, writer, everything. If Victor's not in this movie, this could be the worst movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that, that's it. Let's get into the brief history of Ultraviolet. Kurt Wimmer wrote the script with Mila Jovovich in mind as the lead character. Mila Jovovich's character uses a more authentic variant of Gunkata, a unique blend of gunfighting and martial arts developed by director Kurt Wimmer for his previous film, Equilibrium. While on the set, Kurt Wimmer asked Mila Jovovich to punch him in order to get a feel for the intensity she was putting in her action sequences. For the next several days, Wimmer directed the film with a black eye. In 2005, the film's trailer was leaked on the internet. Director Kurt Wimmer then visited several message boards and demanded all clips be removed in order to keep the film's plot a secret. The online fan community responded well to this, and all the clips were removed from distribution until the theatrical trailer was publicly released in January 2006. That's super strange. Yeah, what is? That's, that's that people actually non-internet of them, yeah. That is true. That is very... Well, okay. Two arguments against it. One, 2005, that's like a whole nother dimension in internet time, right? It's it pre-Twitter. Pre yeah, it was a different era, right? That's just the rise of YouTube. Yeah. We, we actually might as well be talking like Babylonian times. And plus, two, it was the actual director, right? That's got to mean something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, criticism was leveled at Screen Gems, who apparently edited the fight scenes for content and eliminated some of the plot line by cutting more than half an hour from the film. Thank which you, was, by the way. <laughs> which was later restored in the novelization. Comparisons between a rough cut version <laughs> from the spring of 2005 and the theatrical cut proved there were missing scenes. The original edit was more focused on Violet's desire for a family and suggested that she was swept up in the resistance rather than the cold operative she appears in the theatrical release, which focused on her imminent death. The unrated DVD restored approximately seven minutes worth of footage from Wimmer's cut, clocking in at 94 minutes versus the theatrical release's 87 minutes. Wait, which one did we watch the longer we one? We got 94, yeah. Did we? No way. They said it was an hour and 35 minutes or something. That was the director's cut? Yeah. I feel really cheated. <laughs> That's what we got treated to watching. According to Rotten Tomatoes, Mila Jovovich and Kurt Wimmer were not pleased with the PG-13 rating. Jovovich said that she and Wimmer had been locked out of discussions of the film in the editing stages, and she had not been allowed to see her own performance, which she felt might have improved if she had had some input. The film spawned an anime series called Ultraviolet Code 44, which was released in 2008, created by the anime studio Madhouse. The movie was made with a budget of $30 million. How much did it make worldwide? I'm going to go with $70 million. 50. It made $31 million. Ooh, just broke even. And one last final note. It may surprise you, but Ultraviolet was not screened for critics. <gasps> what? Shocker. Can you believe yeah, that, Gavin? I can't believe it. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it must be a lie. <laughs> Can we talk about that novelization? You want me to read it for you? you okay, everybody, everybody, quick, quick, quick. Make a guess. What does the novelization cost on Amazon.com? Oh. Not used. Not used, right? Yeah, whatever Amazon's selling it for. If it's even in print. $4.50. $9. 
two ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Why would anyone read this? Somebody did, right? This is shocking. Okay, the ultraviolet novelization. There's only one new copy available, and I think you have to buy it from a seller for twenty seven dollars and seventy cents. But you can get a bunch used for one cent. Yeah, sounds like a steal to me. Kevin, do you want me to buy one for your birthday? One cent. <laughs> Kevin, it's only one cent. Yeah, you'd be a fool not to buy it. Abraham Lincoln. No, that would be a waste of a penny. Why? Because the copper that it's made with is more valuable than the actual cent? No, because it literally one cent is too much to pay for that. So this movie starts off with a comic book introduction. Uh-huh. What would you guys think of this? The covers look pretty cool. I like the art. It was exactly like the opening title sequence to Mallrats, where a bunch of comic books are thrown around. It gave me the impression that this was based on a comic, which I don't think it is. It gave me the same impression, I, but you didn't see any comic company yeah. name in the intro, so I, I don't think it is. I really don't like that idea that they shoehorn this sort of, hey, this might be like a comic book world or whatever. Just let it stand on its own. It doesn't need that crap. All right, so after the opening comic book sequence, just like Babylon AD, we get this awful, awful shot of the planet Earth right? and narration from the main character, just like Babylon AD. My name is Violet. I was born into a world that you might not understand. I think I understood it pretty well. <laughs> and then we're treated to a World War II era bombing plane that drops what looks like black turds. How were the special effects? Right off the bat, what'd you think of the CG? Because everything in this movie is fake. Like the buildings are all fake, the planes, the cars, everything is phony. How do you think they did with that stuff? 2006 era. It's, it's terrible. I, I said it looked like PlayStation 1 graphics. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to echo that sentiment. <laughs> And I'm also going to say it looked like that they made the models and then they just didn't texture them. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't finish it. The shapes are there. The shapes are there. It looks like they made a mock-up for a director to see where they were going to go with it and then just stop. It looks like the pre-visualization models that they Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it really was terrible. And it, it, it was nonstop, right, throughout this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes you right out of the world that they're trying to put you in. Immediately. Yeah. In the first five seconds. Absolutely. Okay, so this plane flies over, drops these blocks. Black sphere objects. Orbs. And they they move backwards, right? Into the building that they're attacking. What? They just like dropped them in. And they like went. I thought they hovered for a while. (laughs) Right? That's what it looked like. It looked like they were just stationary. They drop out of this plane and then just stationary. Stationary. No, they did. And then they just moved. They shot them into the building. It it didn't look like that, Joel. All right, let's turn the podcast off. Let's watch the movie again. No. Oh my God. I never want to see this again. (laughs) No. we, We can agree that the. CG in this movie was really poor and confusing looking. And then when these, what I thought were bombs, finally rolled their way into this lab area. Fooled you. Yeah, it turns out that it's... Samus Aran. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> the Metroid ball. These balls roll in and they uncurl themselves and there's ninjas inside them. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra ninjas. Ex- exactly. Like, this reminded me so much of G.I. Joe. They pull out their swords and they slice all of these scientists in half? Yeah, no, they, they cut a man's jugular. They show the, the, the blade slashing right through his neck. Yep. And Kevin, how much blood was there? Zero. No blood in this movie, right? They, no, no, there was blood in this movie, just in this scene there was no blood. In any case, they could have at least showed their clothes getting torn up. 
<laughs> it looked like it looked like the swords like kind of like phased through them. This the whole thing was just it looked so choreographed. So yeah, these ninjas they're like perfectly choreographed. They're moving in sync with each other. They're slicing their swords. It's, it's the <laughs> it was a beautiful ballet. I mean, that's what it was, right? It's poetry they in all, motion. They all put their swords back <laughs> one by one. It was so stupid. It's okay, a, it's it, a deadly dance of death. In this scene, they use I guess what's happening here to introduce two concepts in this movie. One, that they are able to store things or places by bending space around them. Yeah, they have this magic ability where essentially they open like a portal or a black hole or something on their body and they can store an infinite amount of things inside this pocket dimension. The other idea that's introduced in this scene is what's going on in this world and apparently everybody is infected with a disease that causes them to develop vampiric-like attributes. They're super strong. They heal really fast. They can see very well in the dark. Their senses are heightened. But the caveat to that is that they die within 12 years. How many more movies do we have to watch that have vampires in them? From here, we're then... Oh, but, but by, the, by the way, that's a hell of a virus, right? It makes you super strong, <laughs> super fast. You can heal right away. What's really interesting is that this apparently changed everything about their society, which is understandable. But I don't think it's that bad if you're old. Like, if you're 75 years old and you get this virus, are you guaranteed 12 years of life now? Oh, that's a good question. You get to live to 89 Do and be super strong. Do you go backwards and get younger? Yeah, how does this work? That's a really good question. Let's say that you're 96 and you get infected. Do you get to live to be 108? Mm. What about a kid? What about a kid? You think he gets super strong? Yeah. What about an infant? Yeah, what about an in utero fetus? Is there, is, 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 is it there just punches that? right through? <laughs> well, see, these are interesting questions that may have been explored in an interesting movie. But Kevin, she was born into a world you might not understand. Yeah, she was 100% <laughs> right. We cut to a scene where Ultraviolet is introduced. Uh, Violet's character goes up to a research facility and there is a barrage and battery of tests to get into this area. And I, I think it is insane how protected this facility is. Absolutely. But there's a very special scene where I guess 25 different mechanical pincer arms come out and... <laughs> Yeah, it's like Marilyn Manson with like that album cover. Right, yeah. right, right. It opens up her eyes and then spikes come out and suck her blood out. And then... The most ridiculous shot in the world. Like, it's her... So, imagine Mila Jovovich going, uh... Like, with her mouth fully open and 20 different fake, phony, CG, thin little metal arms with metal pincer hands are all, like, pinching her nose and mouth and eyes while she's going, oh... If you were able to take somebody's face right when they're legitimately surprised surprised at a surprise birthday party. <laughs> That's what her face is locked like, but it's got like 25 little tiny metal hands like pulling and tightening her face. And we were blessed here at, yes, that bad world headquarters <laughs> when the DVD we got from Netflix just froze right th at there in this shot. The, her the, going, oh. the peak of this shot. And we have a theory as to why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that rented this DVD must have paused it at this scene because her face was so ridiculous that it just couldn't help it. And yeah, it, just, so it just permanently burned a hole into the CD. Yeah, the laser just burned a hole into it. Okay, so Ultraviolet gets through all of these batteries of tests. She then has to get what she was sent to do by the vampire resistance, and that is to get a secret weapon that's supposedly going to kill all the vampires once and for all. Yeah, it'll it end looks, the blood wars. <laughs> right, right. It looks like a white toilet seat. It does. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what it looks like? It looks like a Wii Fit. Yeah, yeah. That's it does. Really it accurate. looks it looks like a Wii Fit. Yeah. They really were visionaries. Okay, so <laughs> 
She signs for it like she's signing for a UPS parcel package with uh, blood. It looks it looks horrible uh, and is so corny. He gives her a pen to sign the paper. It grabs blood from her and then it squirts it out. <laughs> And she signs her initials in blood. <laughs> Insanely bad. Okay, so this right there, this thing with the blood signing for the UPS package. <laughs> I think that's endemic of everything that's wrong with this movie. Like, this director, he had some interesting ideas, right? But it seems like he was just off the rails with every kind of weird, wacky idea that was in his head. He just kind of dumped it into this movie. He needed a producer to rein him in a little bit, and it just it just wasn't there. I don't know. That's the kind of creativity that I applaud. I mean, that's kind of a good things can come from that. But in this particular movie, all these ideas were just, like, dumb. There were just things that sounded cool on paper, I guess. But when you actually see the them happening. It's just like, uh, it's so stupid. You know what? The effects weren't helping them either. You know what? Yeah. A part of it is definitely execution. The effects took away a lot of it. So I'm going to say that a lot of it might be execution and maybe the idea is interesting, but the execution is so poor that it just makes us think it's ridiculous. You know, all this stuff is going on. We get all these flashback sequences to show how Mila Jovovich was infected with the disease in the first place. Right. I've never seen an uglier color scheme in a movie in my life, right? It was <laughs> orange and green and yellow, tinted this, this scene. It was so terrible. It was it was kind of like a Skittles commercial. And this flashback scene is one of the weirdest, most confusingly edited things I've ever seen in my life, right? Mm-hmm. Once you we had to go this. back and rewatch it. Um, three, three times. Three times. <laughs> Apparently some crazed guy that was infected <laughs> with the blood that they show him on screen for maybe half a second, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Millisecond. Attacks her husband who I believe is a doctor. They don't specify. And somehow there is a guard in the room already there with a gun drawn. I don't know how that happened. He shoots this crazed man, which they did not show. And it's just so, so picture this. The scene starts out. Mila Jovovich's character goes, It started when I was pregnant. Her and her husband are kissing. He finds out she's pregnant. A little, an instantaneous flash of a man with long hair happens. Then you see blood splatter on her face, and she goes, Oh, I'm infected. And that's it. And, that, and that's it. And you have to glean from that, that those series of events that her husband was, they were both working in a hospital, this crazed individual was infected somehow and is trying to escape and then is shot. That whole story arc is edited together over the course of, what, four frames? Next, we're treated to her escaping with this secret weapon, and she does things with gravity that I don't think she should be allowed to do. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, all right. I always forgot about this. So she has a gravity... Leveler. A gravity leveler. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. The way I'm going to explain this is that where whatever the natural bottom for her motor cycle or feet is, if she can orient it in any direction, that automatically becomes where the source of gravity is going to be pulling her towards. So she flip-flops, so she'll, she falls up to the ceiling or very, very laterally ma- or whatever. Very, very matrixy. That's a hell of a thing to just write in your script, right? Once your character can defy the laws of gravity like that, physics, they can do anything, Yeah, right? right? Yeah, I mean, they already have these bottomless Batman utility belts yes. they can carry millions of guns just on their body. They just pull it out of their leg. Right, right. And now they can control gravity. Like, well, they're super powerful. They don't I, even need this virus to make them stronger. Yeah. What I don't understand is how are these helicopters even chasing her? She could technically go anywhere. How are these people in hiding? 
How could they have they not overthrown the government with these kind of magic powers that they have? And how did they develop it on their own? Like, why is she the only one that has these abilities? I, I I got a better question. Right as she's trying to escape in this scene, at the very end, she flies through two helicopters. They're firing a minigun at her. They get off several hundred rounds. Well, the bullets hit the fit. motorcycle. And but do you see the size of that gun? <laughs> what? This scene is one of the worst scenes I've in movie history, in my opinion. <laughs> really? You're going to go that far? Yeah, I'm going to go that far. What was wrong with it? What was wrong with it? She drives this motorcycle off the roof of a building as they're firing thousands of rounds at her from this helicopter. Yep. She goes through the helicopter, lands in it, and then shoots everyone. And it explodes. (laughs) Drives out of it as it explodes. Why is it exploding? I have no idea. Don't forget that it was shot really choppily. Like it would stutter. So it's super confusing. (laughs) This whole movie seems to me like someone gave the reins of a movie, the story, the directing, everything to a 13-year-old boy. It's That's like, fair. Do what you want to do. That's with no fair. supervision. You know what? Right? I think that there's definitely a definitive point in this movie where I'm jumping between anger and sadness. Not because I'm, I feel that way for the characters in the movie, because the movie itself is either making me angry or sad while I'm watching it. Sanger. Yeah, let's go with that. Sane anger. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sane anger during this movie. Give me fuel. Give me fire. I actually got on my knees and prayed to Sane Anger. We're then treated to a plethora of scenes where she's surrounded by 40 henchmen in a circle. They all point their guns at her and they all, surprise, they all shoot each other. Why does this keep happening? This happens like 50 times in this movie where yep. the bad guys corner Mila Jovovich. They all stand around her in a circle. 800 guys all stand around <laughs> her. They all point their guns to the center of a circle. I guess they didn't realize that if everybody's pointing guns into one point, those guns are going to keep going and hit the people on the opposite side. Which is what happens. Multiple times. Yeah. You know what's ridiculous about this? It, this is super choreographed, but if somebody told me when to duck, I'm pretty confident that I could do this. I, <laughs> I could I could just duck and everybody would just shoot each other. Yeah, by the way, so this is the Gun Kata 2.0. For those who don't know, in the previous movie, Equilibrium, they had a sort of martial art that involved guns called Gun Kata. And the basic idea behind that was that if you can take any gunfight and break it down to its bare statistics, every gunfight is just a collection of angles and physics. So if you knew exactly where to stand and where to shoot, you'd be unstoppable in a gunfight. Like you, because you'd have a statistical inevitability of you dodging every bullet and hitting every one of your shots. Mm-hmm. And in the first movie, that involved a lot of like herky-jerky movements right. with his arms and stuff. And that is not what Kurt Wimmer originally intended. He wanted it to be a more smooth, flowing kind of ballet dance thing, which is what we got here. This is Gun Kata 2.0. They never is- call it that. This is Gunkata point oh one in my opinion. <laughs> in fact, the basics. This, this, yeah, this is. I I don't like the choreographs in this movie for the gunfight scenes. It was pretty smooth at, at parts. It was, but I don't think it looked. I don't like it stylistically. I guess that's just my opinion. Yeah, it was nowhere near as cool as it was in Equilibrium. Right. And I noticed they tried to redo some of the stuff in Equilibrium. Do you remember in Equilibrium? There's that part where he has like these little butts on. A, the, yeah. He uses the butt of his yep. gun to beat a bunch of guys to death. Uh-huh. She does the same thing in this movie. Remember, but she takes like a gun knives. and yeah. no, yeah. she takes a gun and splits it in half yes. and uses it as the same kind uh-huh. of thing. And it was nowhere near as good. My problem with this was her movements seemed way more for style than substance. And if you're actually going to do something like that, all of your movements would be calculated on on the substance of it, right? Like you wouldn't just do a backflip. The hell of doing a backflip, which is, she does. Yeah, she just does a backflip, but that's pointless. It's useless in that situation. 
So all the movement would be very carefully considered, right? If that's what you're going to do. Well, especially if you're fighting 80 guys at once, right? 800 million. Yeah. Okay, so after Miljovic takes down all these henchmen, she decides that she's going to take a look inside the case. Everyone's told her over and over again, don't look in the case, don't look in the case, don't look in the case. But she's got to know. She's got to find out. So she cracks open the case and... It's a little Cameron Bright. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things that you thought was going to be in that case, did you ever expect to see a little baby Cameron Cameron Bright? You never saw this movie before, so what, what did you think when you saw that? It was astonishing. I mean, it's so again, this is this thing that he's in. It's shaped like a Wii board. It's tiny. It's really thin. She opens it up and it all of a sudden has dimension. It's like a portal. And like it's, he sw- it looks like he's like floating in he's water. He's floating in like a pool. And it's just like his head and torso. For a little bit, I didn't know if he had arms or legs. <laughs> The CG was really poor. It, if, if, if anybody has seen Xavier, Renegade Angel, it looked like that. It was comical. Probably one of the best character introductions ever. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the best. For sure. So this is when we were finally graced with Cameron Bright's lovely presence. He lights up the screen with all his greatest hits. You know, <laughs> dead eye stare, <laughs> thousand yard stare. Soul piercing stare. Yep. He, he's got them all. He's got, he's got all the stares. I mean, there's that one part where Mila Yo is talking to him and it cuts from her to his face back and forth back and forth back and forth his face doesn't change at all no at all I thought I was looking at a photograph of him (laughs) (laughs) it's at that point where we all stood up and cheered and we knew (laughs) this guy was the best in the business right Speaking of faces, how do you feel about what they did to Mila Jovovich's face in this movie? It was so blurry. It looked like someone went in and was like retouching it frame by frame or something. For those who haven't seen this movie, they decided to do this really weird stylistic choice where whenever we got a close-up of Mila Jovovich's face, they applied this blurring filter to the screen and they overdid it. They overshot the mark. Yeah. Because there were times when they had close-ups of her face, you couldn't even see the bridge of her nose. It just looked like she had two nostrils floating yeah. in this blurry mess. It was really creepy. If you've ever been to a supermarket and you look at Cosmo or a magazine like that where they really, really overdo the airbrushing, it looks something similar to that and it took away a lot of detail in her face. Like, you couldn't tell where her cheekbones ended and where her chin and ended and her neck started. Yeah, it's too much surface blur for all those Photoshop listeners out there. Yeah, yeah, there was way too much surface blur. And another thing about Cameron Bright, just around the time when we figure out what his point is, mm-hmm. he's just a plot device essentially. He's not really a character, so I guess it's fitting that they pick Cameron Bright to do this yeah. because he's not a person, really. He's a plot device. His blood holds the cure to the vampirism disease. It's not really a cure. It's more like it kills them, right? Yeah. So he's a weapon. He's a biological weapon. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because this is almost the exact same role he played in X-Men 3. Leech. Yeah, he had the ability to destroy the mutants. Yeah. Leech sick. What happens from this point in is they are running away from the Vice Cardinal. Yet another movie in the Yes That Bad collection where someone's running away with a boy. The boy gets captured. Mila Jovovich comes back to try and rescue him. She is then confronted by the Vice Cardinal's face, I guess which is projected as a giant hologram, which looks kind of like Andros from Star Fox. Whoa. It's just like a giant head. He had glowing 64 dots on or his palms also. Original. He did have that, actually. <laughs> original. 
original. Trust your instincts, Fox. Never give up. If I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. <laughs> and this is around the time where I said, how much time is left in this stupid movie? I clicked the timer and we had a half hour left. After I checked the time and I saw there was a half hour left, I think like uh, 20 minutes must have gone by when mm-hmm. I decided to check the time again. But I was in for a rude <laughs> awakening. Apparently about five minutes had uh, transgressed since Joel originally. And I, to, to be honest, I thought closer to a half hour had passed. I, I, I thought that we were five minutes left in this movie. Yeah, I thought the movie was going to be over. I thought like, it, was it really over. did feel like 30 minutes had elapsed. And it felt story-wise, it seemed like we were progressing to that point. I mean, so much crap happened in that five minutes. Like the the vampires kidnapped the boy. They dropped him down a well. He fell like 8,000 feet. Million <laughs> He fell 8 billion feet. He fell to the core of the earth. They had a full conversation and fight scene while he was falling. She fought off like 50 guys while he was falling the whole time. How long was that rope? (laughs) It was probably as long as a transatlantic cable, right? (laughs) (laughs) See, she rescues the boy. She brings him to her friend, William Fickner. Yep. We finally get to see quality acting for the first time in this movie. He's only in this movie for like four seconds. Yeah, it's like two scenes. It's, he's brilliant, though. I mean, he really... Yeah, he lights it up. Man, he really does. It really, it really flew by, right? Well, once again, this is one of those situations that we see a lot on this show where a superior actor goes toe-to-toe with a far inferior one, and you really see a nice contrast. Skills. Yeah, it's stark in this situation, but William Fickner's like a scientist working out of uh Out of uh, the back of a... He looked like a bum. Like He looked like a, a from Zion in the yeah. Matrix. Tricks. Yes, he had the Zion sweater. And he everything. did. He did. He's, he, he's working out of the back of a semi. Yeah, he's, basically, he's right? Whole, he's got a whole lab set up there, and he's got these gravity dimension wells where he pulls a button, and he's got this whole lab set up in there. It was like the the tents from Harry Potter. Yeah, right. You walk yeah, into yeah. this thing, and it all of a sudden becomes this huge laboratory. Right, right. So he starts running some tests and finds out that Cameron Bright is dying and radioactive. He has eight hours left to live. And I couldn't have been happier. In addition to this, we we were told earlier in the movie that Mila Jovovich only had 36 hours left to live. Right. Which, at this point, was like a day ago. They're both going to die in the next 12 hours. Making this story pointless. Why do I care? You shouldn't. What are they going to accomplish in that time? Nothing. Im- immediately, when that happened, I was like, well, what's the point of this? There isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> I lost all interest in this movie at this point. I I lost interest in the first five minutes. Yeah, well, I, I turned off. I just, <laughs> I turned my brain off. I saw her doing some weird things with her fingers. I just started laughing. I remember I just started laughing at YouTube. I got immense pleasure from your misery watching this movie. At, at one point, it really hit Martin and I, like, at the same time. Like, it did. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> It shows the headquarters where Mila has to go and finally stop whatever the vice cardinal is trying to do. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't care. It's a giant cross the size of a city. Yeah, one building was a giant biohazard sign. Another building is a giant crucifix. (laughs) 
What is this? What Who's is happening? These I things. Oh man. It I, looks I had a bad. question for you. Who should I be rooting for? That's a very, very good question. Yeah. Am I rooting for the vampires or the humans? I think we're supposed to be rooting for the vampires because the humans are kind of like Nazis. They rounded everybody up into camps and killed people. Because they're vampires. Yeah. It makes sense for the humans to sequester these people because let's say that this virus does spread everywhere. Everybody gets it. That means that the human race is going to die in 12 years. Exactly. That's serious. Yeah. I mean, extreme measures should be taken in that situation. Yeah. I had no one to root for or a root against. I'm definitely movie. not rooting for Cameron Bright. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. So to wrap this up, towards the end of this movie, it's implied that Cameron Bright dies. He's dead. So they're going to dissect his corpse and unlock the secrets to the genome. <laughs> unlock or, his acting secrets? Yeah. <laughs> How does he do it? We're going to inspect his brain. <laughs> Yeah, and they kill Mila Jovovich, they shoot her in the back of the head. Somehow, not only does William Fickner get her body back, but he resurrects her. And he goes, yep. I lost you three times, but I got you back. Yeah, I guess she was right. This really is a world I don't understand. How the hell does she come back to life? And now all of a sudden, he realizes that the kid does hold the cure, right? Kevin- Before, when he looked at him, he's like, I can't reverse engineer a cure from this kid. But now the second time, he's like, oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Sorry, my, my bad. Kevin, you just don't understand. I don't. I really, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, so Miljovic decides to just completely copy the last scenes of Equilibrium. She dresses in all white like an Equilibrium. She storms the big boss's building like Equilibrium. They kind of rip off the Matrix a little bit because they do that check when she comes into the office. They're like, oh, do you have any weapons? You know, like the, like the lobby scene in the Matrix. Yep. And she runs around, she kills everybody. She has one big final boss battle. And it turns out that the final villain... He was one of them all along. He was a vampire all along. I was not enjoying this at all. This is so dumb, so boring. They have this stupid fight scene in the dark where they have swords and they lay on fire for some reason. The single mildly interesting and cool thing from this whole movie occurred at this point. When the swords were on fire, which in itself was stupid, when Mila got cut with the swords, like her wounds were on fire. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was interesting. Stylistically. That's it. That- That's it. That's all I'm giving them. Yeah, this is pretty much where the movie ends. She kills the bad guy, and then we get this awful, awful CG of the building burning down and the window shattering, smoke mm-hmm. coming out of it. This truly was a piss poor performance. Oh, it was like a Sega Saturn, Sega CD quality. <laughs> terrible, terrible effect. Sega Genesis quality. Yeah, yeah, 32 yeah, it, was, it was bad. Oh, man, it was atrocious. Yeah, so that's it. That was Ultraviolet. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Wimmer has created no logical framework for flashy, ultra-violent, and frankly, cheesy sequences. Jack Matthews, New York Daily News. Ultra-stupid, ultra-incoherent, ultra-silly, and way, way ultra-boring. Lou Luminek, New York Post. And finally, Uva Bull would be proud of this movie. <laughs> It's pretentious and oh so serious. The tone of the movie is one of high art, but it stinks like a landfill. James Berardinelli, Real Views. That guy is a master craft <laughs> wordsmith. He is unbelievable. He knows just the right things to say. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it 
really that bad? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this movie deserves a 1%. This was What wor- did Stealth get? What was that? Was that like a 14 or something? I think so, yeah. This movie was worse than Whiteout, and that was a 0% or a 1% or something. <laughs> I mean, when we get this low on the scale, we're just splitting hairs here. This movie... <laughs> is atrocious in every way. Nothing's redeeming about it. It's not so bad. It's good. It's not funny. It's not, it's It's just, it's nothing. It's not, It's a soul-crushing experience. I give it a one out of five. <laughs> Holy, man, it's bad. 9% is way too high. This is like almost physically painful to watch. Like, I just wanted to like curl up in a ball. Like those ninjas in the beginning and, and roll out of here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would have been impressive. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> I really wish I could have just gotten up and left. I really do. Was this almost the first time you got up and walked out on a movie that's on DVD? Yes. (laughs) This is a solid one out of five. I mean, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It puts this into perspective, huh? Oh, man. Really? I was, like, out of it when we started recording this because it, like, it affected me so much. Joel, are you going to buck the trend? Five out of five. Master Joel's, Joel's first five on the show. <laughs> Woo! I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> no, this movie is atrocious. I hated it then. I hated it now. The thing that really stings about this movie is that I loved Equilibrium. I love that movie. And when I saw this for the first time, I felt betrayed. Trade. Like, I felt like, man, this is a cool new director. He's going to do awesome things. I really want to get behind this guy and follow his career. And then he makes this, and it's just like a flop, like a big disappointment. I think it ruined his career. I don't think he's made a movie since. I don't think he has either. Which is a shame, too, because he does have interesting ideas. It's just that this is the sophomore slump, and it was a hell of a slump because it really destroyed him. But this movie is just terrible. Absolutely irredeemable. Definitely check out Equilibrium if you've never seen it. That's worth watching. But this has no redeeming value whatsoever and it's got Cameron Bright in it so automatically that docks it like multiple stars. What's really interesting about Equilibrium is that it follows the same type of dystopian society but it covers it in a really, really interesting and thought-provoking way and on top of that, it actually delivers with effects and good acting. The, this, the story is good, the acting is good. If you want to see a good movie, see Equilibrium. Yeah, one out of five doesn't do this movie justice. It is a nightmare. This is the last movie this guy directed. It, really? Yeah, I just looked it up. That's a shame because he, I think that he has some interesting, some some interesting ideas and I, I like the way he tells a story. In, in Equilibrium, I really enjoyed that. What a shame. Oh, well. So there you go. One, one, one. Great job, guys. Uh, I got some other interesting tidbits here. Okay. This guy, after this, went on to write Law Abiding Citizen. Really? Wow. He also yeah. wrote Salt. That makes sense. That actually does make and sense. And he's writing Total Recall. Ooh. I don't like the sound of that. Hey, Kevin, you know, this may surprise you, but we got some voicemails about this movie. Score! I'll play those for you right now. To listen to your messages, press 1. Yeah, uh, this is the nerd. Question for the panel. In 1986, I had a, the best bowl of slip soup I ever had at a <laughs> cafe in Chicago. <laughs> What I want to know is what's your favorite soup? Especially if you're feeling a little sick. You know it's just going to make you feel good. Me, your best bowl of soup. I hang up and listen to my answer. German potato soup. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> My favorite soup is oh, this gets so close on between a really good lobster bisque and a really good cheddar broccoli in a bread bowl, sourdough <laughs> bread bowl I'm for a, both of them. I'm a New England clam chowder man myself. I, I love like them that. too. Yeah, in a bread bowl. Bread bowl is where it's at, guys. I'm gonna go just classic chicken noodle soup. Oh, what boring! Wait, but 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 with the caveat Smart of fast. the uh, egg noodles in there, not just like regular noodles. That has a little something to it. You're a real maverick. Top it off with some cheese. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Romano cheese. Wait, wait, wait. Now you're just going out of control. You can't add cheese to chicken noodle soup, can you? Try just, it. Did... I was the same way as you one day, and then my eyes were opened. Uh, try it out, then. Uh, yes. Which one you guys filmed that episode of the dumpster bottom my apartment still full? Never mind, you guys. Martin? <laughs> I, I guess. Where got... were you last night? <laughs> I mean, you guys are all staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> I I did not drink last night, so I'm pretty sure I didn't dump a hooker by a dumpster. Yeah, hey, it's a nerd. Um, question for the panel. Anybody been on a blind date before? If so, how did it go? Please rate it on a scale of one to five. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been on a blind date. I don't think I can call it a true blind date. because Was I it had... a double blind date? <laughs> <laughs> it was a double blind. It was a double blind date, very controlled. There was a placebo. There was a, there was a control there, group. There, there was a control group dating right behind us. <laughs> Yes, I've, I've gone out on uh, out to dinner with a friend and his girlfriend, and she would bring her friend. That's happened to me a bunch of times. I don't know. Is that officially a blind date? Mm. Because you're essentially there as, you know, the wingman, so this other girl's not like a third wheel. I think a blind date's got to be one-on-one. Okay. Right? I don't think it can be in a group setting. At least that's not my understanding of it. <laughs> I am a nerd. Uh, listening to your uh, review of Del, I think I overheard Joel say he needed some Kevin from Penny Logan. Oh, we ain't got money. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, that scratch the itch. <laughs> Number one super fan, right there. Great. A number one. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's a nerd. Question for the panel. Uh, What are your social security numbers? I'm going to hang up and grab a pencil and waste my time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's the nerd. Uh, Question for the panel. What do you put on your burgers? If you're vegan, first ingredient should probably be Angus. I ain't got the list of my answer. This is a hell of a question. Burgers? No one here is vegan, that's for sure. No. Oh, man, what do I put on my burger? You get, like, wacky burgers all the time. Like Whoa. With, like... I'm, I'm trying to remember. These what, are wild accusations. What do you always order? You get like the big Buford burger all the time, right? <laughs> oh, oh, what? Where, where I ordered a pound of raw beef? <laughs> yeah, tell that story. We went to a diner around here. They have a burger there. And essentially what it is, is it's a uh, it's a pound of, um, maybe it's a little more than a pound. Maybe it's maybe it's like a pound and a half of just ground beef, bacon, cheddar cheese, and I think there's some onion rings on there. Awesome, is all I got to say. When they asked me how I wanted to cook, the only way I eat my burgers is rare that is not cooked at all. Yeah, what ended up happening? Well, you know, I vomited a little bit. But, uh... <laughs> like a weak, weak, weak man. You were throwing up Because I, right. had, I had eaten before that. Right, listen, I'm gonna stick to So why'd gut. you eat a Yeah, it had nothing to do with beef. the raw pound of beef. Because that was the first time I saw it on the menu and I had to... It, that's a pound of beef. I can't turn that down. This guy can't handle his hot beef injections. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that not. is a wildly slanderous <laughs> accusation. Okay? <laughs> 
If there's anyone here that can handle their hot beef injections, it's Martin. Kevin, your sandwich? Your, your burgers? Lettuce, tomato, bacon, blue cheese. Yeah, but how do you want to cook? What a maverick. Oh, medium. Here's a hot tip for all you diner aficionados. I figured this out a long time ago, and it's led me to a life of success, fame, and fortune. <laughs> or none of those things. <laughs> This is only going to be applicable to people that live in this area, probably. Well, we have some New Jersey listeners. Okay. The California burger is only slightly more expensive than a regular burger, but you get like a ton of lettuce, a ton of tomatoes, the fixings, you get the works. And, and there's mayo involved too, so that's my burger of choice these days. Wow, Joel. You, you do mayo on your burger? It comes with it. That's Joel. strange to me. Joel, the frugal gourmet. End of new messages. Okay, well, thanks for those voicemails. It was great. Let's read some listener mail. A nom nom moose writes in and says, Gentlemen, I applaud your recent unbridled mockery of the tusked whale known as the narwhal and its stupid curled tooth. <laughs> Any creature of the earth, sea, or heavens whom Almighty has deigned to be fit with such ridiculous accoutrement <laughs> justly deserves our scorn. You have the good work. <laughs> Christopher writes in and says, After you guys review the movie, you say, Let's hear what the real critics have to say. How about you change that to, Let's hear what the other critics have to say. Keep up the good work. Are we real critics? I choose my, my words, words very yeah, carefully. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure you do. <laughs> real critics? Like, that's that gives you a specific idea of, of who we're talking about. We're not those people on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. so it's about an us versus them dynamic. That, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tropic Mango writes in and says, Hey, guys, we're Bros decided to put my 54 cents into the podcast feedback. I'm going to skip all the pleasantry stuff and get to the heart of the matter. Constantine. I love the film. I actually sleep with a copy of it under my pillow, but I have one problem with it. This problem also pertains to all demonic heaven versus hell movies I've seen. Why does the church or hero always use Latin to defeat the demons? Demons and most all Christian ghost boogeymen were around way before the birth of the Latin language. One day the devil decided what? Since God is all about the Latin heat, and then, then anytime someone uses the language, we will all be defeated. Okay, guys, I'll go take a crap now because one cannot write and crap at the same time. That's a fact. That actually is not a fact. I, I, dis <laughs> I disagree. So what do you think about the Latin thing? The Latin thing stems from the Roman Rite, which originally was written in Latin. So whenever someone is doing an exorcist and there's a uh, heaven versus hell thing, and they're going to probably speak that right in Latin. Okay, Margaret writes in and says, Greetings, gentlemen. How are you? Which one of you would be more likely to survive being stranded on a tropical island? I'm going to say Martin. Yeah, probably me. Best Quaid movie ever made? Tough one, huh? Inner space? Yeah, I'm going to say inner space. I like the rookie a lot. What about Angels in the Outfield? What about Rookie of the Year? Touche. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. Uh, Which one of you is the voice of reason? Kevin. Who is the bossiest? Joel. Joel? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you're the boss. Oh, okay. Of I'm course you're the boss. Tony Danza? Yes. <laughs> Who, who's the boss, Joel? <laughs> Which one is the most organized? Kevin. If you didn't have the careers you have now, what careers would you like to have? Doctor. Like a doctor of French literature? I would like my medical degree. <laughs> is it upsetting that I have my answer immediately? Like, I've been thinking about this quite a bit. NBA superstar? Yeah, like, this is, like, the, your dream? Yeah, yeah. Is this is this my dream job where anything's possible or more, like, a real, real, real job. realistically? If it's realistic, you know, doctor. Where that You took that different fork in the road and you went somewhere 
somewhere else, different timeline. Mm. Really good question. I don't know. I'm just an accountant through and through. What a piss poor answer. Pathetic. What's yours? Performance. What's yours? Programmer. Programmer, right? Of video games. Oh. That's what I like to do. I would probably just do something else in business. Like, I don't know. like what? I don't know, marketing or operations or something like that. Marketing is very different than, uh, than accounting. I know. You could be in HR. You could. HR I would like department. to be Don Raper. You could be Don Raper. <laughs> I was listening to the last episode with a friend that commented that you guys don't have accents. What is the difference between the standard English accent and the New Jerseyan one? Is there even a difference? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think we do have accents. I think it, uh, it's impossible not to have one. It depends on what side you're on. If you're up more in the north, more in the south. Right, there's more right, of New right. York influence in the north and there's more of a Philadelphia influence in the south. Yep. Yeah, and the accents are different. The New York influence has like more of a... Uh, Wada. Yeah, more of a dropping the R hard A and then Philadelphia Coffee. yeah yeah it adds W's to dog two. what are you talking about I gotta Long go get on my phone Island. go get to get my phone Tammy hello down south though they say some weird stuff like they say phone, home home phone, alone phone. Right? Yeah. it's wild it's the, weird down there they have yeah, a different Philly, language the too Philly, the Philly <laughs> accent yeah hoagies yeah, those Philly fanatics down there yeah those <laughs> Philly fanatics <laughs> Of a bunch of like Eagles fans up here trying to beat us to death. I think when people think of New Jersey accent, they're really thinking of New York accent, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Sean writes in and says, What was your favorite toy from childhood? <sighs> I had a two foot action figure of Godzilla from the abysmal American remake in the 90s. You push a button and on the top half would swivel back and forth while he roared. Oh, and any Viewmaster owners? I had one with a real devoted to pictures from Jurassic Park. I had That's that. Sweet. I had that. <laughs> oh man, that was sweet. I, I, I agree with you. That thing was sweet. Favorite toy? Ooh, this is a really Okay, tough we're not going to count video games, right? Because that would win. Yeah, yeah, it would. All right. I got some good front runners. I had the Proton Pack and the Trap Pack, but I think most people did, but that was one of my favorite toys. That's pretty sweet, actually. After that, I wish I had that. Yeah, you I didn't had have that? that? I no. had that, too. That was awesome. It was I awesome, I didn't right? have any of that stuff. I'm going to say that. Uh, my I loved having my Super Soakers. I get Super Soakers oh, all yeah. the time. I, I had those. Love them. Yep. And I had a Nerf bow and arrow. Which was super sweet. Three Hunger Games. I loved playing with that thing. The triple launcher one, where it had the two arrows that you could reload. Yes, and, yes, yes. And the one in the center. Yep, you yep, pumped yep. it. Yep. Oh, that was a good one. It was good. Yeah, that was a good toy. I never had any of the big, like, rich kid toys, except for this one. I had a Domino Rally playset. Mm. Glow in the dark, like, haunted Halloween-style playset. And I had the little robotic robot thing that on four wheels that sets up the dominoes for you. I always Whoa. wanted that, and that I never got it. Was pretty sweet. Domino Rally. You know, that was made in Jersey. Really? Yeah, Pressman. Awesome. I mm. love Domino Rally. I also had 2XL. Martin, did you know that a peanut is neither a pea nor a nut? Thank you. It's a legume. Yes, I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I had a bunch of like Ninja Turtles toys and I had the Mouser for Ninja Turtles. I love that. That was one of my yep. favorites. So you wind it up. Yeah. Walked around. That was good. No, nobody here had the Technodrome, did they? Yeah, I had it. This guy I had, had it. you spoiled. Did you have the firehouse? Yeah. You, man, you just got everything, <laughs> huh? You're oh, wait. You had I the, had the, the G.I. Joe. You had, G.I. Joe. You had the Landmaster? The giant tank with yes. all the missiles. Yeah, and I, had that. <laughs> I had that. I had that. I had the G.I. Joe um, space shuttle, which I still don't even know why G.I. Joe had a space shuttle, but it like had a, it was like in a launching pad. And I also had the Lion Cat's lair. Th- this is out of control. Yeah, I guess you win. You win the... Uh... <laughs> 
Did you get everything you ever wanted for Christmas? All his jeans and more. Yeah, pretty much. If I asked for it, I got it. Although I would always ask for a robot that would clean my room. I never got that. It's called a Roomba. You yeah, can get, you, they, can get you, now. you can get them now. Roomba will go around and clean your room. Hey, that's a great. That's one of the best questions we ever got. Favorite toy? Yeah. yeah. Next time, favorite video game. Someone better ask that. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna need a week to prepare my answer. Yeah, I demand it. Start ruffling papers. <laughs> we have to do it by system. Like, <laughs> absolutely. There's no other way to do it. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yadstepad at gmail.com. As for this week's question of the week, Sean writes in and he says, Can you think of a childhood movie that you watched that was totally age appropriate, but something in it scared you, totally terrified you? Yeah, Wizard of Oz. I was one of the cliche kids that got freaked out by the flying monkeys. No, I don't live in a world of fear, <laughs> only strength. <laughs> All you have to fear is fear itself. Yeah, I can't think of one either. I knew somebody who was afraid of gremlins when they were a kid. That's a comedy. No, no, but... <laughs> gremlins too. Fair the enough, The new though. badge. What movie really scared you as a kid? Head on over to yasthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Okay, now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. And the theme is scary spaceships? Scary space horror. Chips? Chips. Sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the choice are Event Horizon versus Pandorum. And this is going to be a tough call because Event Horizon is, has a cult following. Yes. And it's got Sam, Sam Neill. But keep in mind, Pandorum has a very nubile, beefy Dennis Quaid. And it's been a while since we've gone toe-to-toe with the Quaid man. Mm-hmm. You haven't one of your classic Quaid Raven. I'm craving a Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Once again, the choices are Event Horizon versus Pandorum. Okay, as for next week's movie, I think it's finally time for us to complete the Transformers trilogy. The time has come. Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon. Put an end to this Bayformers debacle. You ready for this? No, I wasn't ready for the second one. I wasn't ready for the first one. I'm probably going to fall asleep during this one. Kevin, y'all ready for this? I'm ready to close the door on this chapter of my life. Speaking of y'all ready for this, I think I'm going to bust out my Jock Jams Volume 1. <laughs> okay, to recap, head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll between Event Horizon and Pandorum. And tune in next week when we will be reviewing Transformers 3. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by clicking the like button on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at yeah. It's bad. You can follow Marna. Yeah, it's Marna. You can follow Kevin at Yeah, it's Kev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher by going to stitcher.com slash Yeah, it's bad. And if you input the promo code Yeah, it's bad, that legitimately will help out the show. <laughs> Stitcher will give us a little kickback. So stitcher.com slash Yeah, it's bad. Stream the show from all your mobile devices. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. All right, Casey writes in and says, Hey, Smugtastic, that's me, Eurotrash, Martin, and Weakling, Kevin. Why am I a weakling? <laughs> Everybody seems to think, I, I don't know why. I did a tough mode.
mutter for crying out loud. Maybe that came across the audience that you felt, I don't know, maybe a little inferior, like you had to do a tough mutter to prove weak, to people that weak, you weren't weak. Impotent bald man. That's inaccurate. On all fronts. <laughs>